0: Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch Podcast. It's a name worthy of Orwell, the Committee on Information Disorder, a project of the posh and well-connected Aspen Institute designed to identify disinformation for big corporations and big government to suppress, a notionally private sector, woke progressive ministry of truth, as it were. Joining me to discuss this effort to control the political discourse is Chris Bedford, senior editor of The Federalist uh chris uh, before we begin can you give us a bit of your background and what you all are up to over there
1: of course and thanks for having me and thanks by the way crc for doing a lot of really fantastic research on the aspen institute and everything that they've been up to with this uh yeah exactly like you said completely orwellian truth truth commission that they're doing uh so give you some background on myself yeah sure if you don't mind no sure yeah I, i'm from boston but i, I grew up uh, lived I've lived in DC now since 2004 um, it's a very humid and swampy place as you might imagine as as you know I and, and but it, until about 2020 it was actually also a rather elegant and beautiful city. It's getting a little worse right now because we're retrying the policies of the 50s 60s and 70s on not enforcing crime and shutting down our small businesses yeah like the, uh, the, the, the,
0: lock, the lockdowns really really it's messed been up It really messed up the city. <laughs>
1: And then I started the New Guard Magazine for Young Americans for Freedom. or more restarted it. It had been dormant for about 15 years. And then took that to the Daily Color, where I headed their news foundation for about eight years. Uh, and then over to the Federalists uh, about a year and a half ago. And it has been a phenomenal ride uh, of writing and hitting hard. And and just enjoying the enjoy enjoying myself as much as I can, considering that considering that the world is ending.
0: <laughs> uh, well, so let's move on to you. You put out you had a report for the Federalist on this committee on information disorder. Uh, so who's sponsoring it? What's behind it? What's the point?
1: So the entire thing is put up by left wing billionaires, and let me pull up his name right now. Uh, the The entire thing is put up by by to try and to tackle fake news, which everyone says is just the absolute worst thing since social media getting together and helping spread information. Now, you remember, if you go back just not that long ago, 2008, 2012, there were so many books written, The War Room, et cetera, about how— Victory,
0: victory Lab.
1: Yes, everything about how Barack Obama had really just really taken over social media and used it so brilliantly— and yeah, that so was that was that media. that was
0: the that was for those of us with a long memory. That was credited, you know, after President Obama won re-election. That was the the guys in his Facebook targeting room were given basically all the credit for sort of the machine that won him the election.
1: Exactly, and then and then Donald Trump came along, and he did a very good job uh, at using media and. Basically, I mean, basically, all you have to do to use reporters is to be smarter than them, which is surprisingly <laughs> easy to do if you if you set about it. God, what did
0: what did you, but 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 Joe Biden told Jonathan Swan that they were the smartest people in the world
1: or whatever <laughs> last week. <laughs> you know, Jonathan Swan, uh, Peter Ducey, a few of these guys actually are pretty well, It wasn't it wasn't Jonathan Swan. It was Jake Sherman. Oh, Jake Sherman is not smart. They're surrounded by. Yeah, no, no. I I apologize to Jonathan. I I apologize
0: to Jonathan Swan. It was not him. He actually can give an interview.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's good the. uh, But then when Trump uses stuff, and by the way, typically broadly didn't use social media nearly as intelligently as some folks on the left had used it. It suddenly became very nefarious. And I started I remember walking into a newsroom, a Yahoo newsroom a number of years ago and saying, you know, there's no way that the small amount of insignificant Russian spending remotely topped the billion dollars that were spent by the campaigns here to try and make an actual impact on this. And they told me, well, what are you talking about? What about the story that the Pope endorses Donald Trump? And I, I had to explain, you know, no, good, nice guys, but no one in that newsroom you know, goes to church. <laughs> and I said, you know, anyone who's waiting and listening for the, the endorsement of the Roman Pontiff, is is not voting for a pro-abortion candidate and they're so, also
0: and they're also not voting ever because the Pope at least at least in my lifetime has never intervened in an American election
1: <laughs> no they have never so far intervened in an American election maybe we'll be getting a little bit lit with the Italian election but that's between them the so this fake news stuff is just completely massively blown out of proportion but it is the cause celebre of the of the American left these days, and to that end, they have started before this truth commission this entire really completely insidious di- division for fact checking, which is, I guess, where newspapers stop I mean, the, lying the objection. Deal.
0: The objection. I mean, I mean the 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 issue with fact checking goes back to like the very beginnings. of Fact checking when this first mm-hmm. comes out, it was, you know, people start looking at it, and all of a sudden, it becomes quite obvious that they're using it to launder liberal opinion.
1: Yeah, it started off with how to how to let your grandparents know that there's not a hooked man on the on the highway who's going to kill them and kill other hitchh- and hitchhiking. But it quickly became, Snopes got taken over by a bunch of alum- Obama alumni. Nowadays, if you go over to USA Today or some of these left-wing sites, you will see literal interns, fact-checking interns who are taking down stories. I just looked it up this morning to pull a link up for a video of all the times that Vice President Harris laughed when she was asked about going to the border. And the top one of the top pullbacks was a USA Today story. Now she's a fact-checking fellow. She's been a fellow for 6 months. That said that the 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 idea that Kamala Harris had laughed when talked about going to the border, which she did about 5 times, was missing context, which is just completely insane. Oh, that's the
0: that's the classic one. The the missing context, the, well, yeah, actually they said X, but they meant Y therefore pants on fire, you know? Yes,
1: exactly. And they're, and they're lying. Or, or, they're lying all, all the what,
0: I mean, the, the most infa- you know, the most infamous recent example of this of course was when Eric Kessler of the Washington post, you know, went digging through Senator Tim Scott of, uh, of South Carolina's <laughs> ancestry to show that he wasn't poor or African American enough for,
1: not sufficiently wait, wait. poor for Glenn Kessler's fact checks, and, and of course, and of, course, and of, course Ke- they- of
0: course, Kessler is like an heir of a of an oil fortune. To, yeah, to, you know, he's, or he's part, he's part. of the family that controlled Royal Dutch Shell for a very long time.
1: They spent a lot more time on proving that proving that <clears throat> Senator Scott was not sufficiently poor than they did on checking out uh, Sheldon Whitehouse's beach club. Although I, I probably actually think, based on that Sheldon Whitehouse story, that if you try to do an investigative story of how many black people want to hang out at Sheldon Whitehouse's beach club, it'd probably not be a huge amount. Like, I wouldn't want to join Sheldon Adelson's, uh, Sheldon Whitehouse's I, beach I, club at all.
0: I uh, my, my boss has had the misfortune of appearing in the Senate before Mr. Mister Whitehouse, and it uh, doesn't sound like it was a particularly pleasant experience. <laughs> um, so... So we have this Committee on Information Disorder, and obviously committees
1: are made of people. Uh, yeah, so, they want to add a lot of veneer of respectability yeah, to so this. Who, who Entirely is this funded by Craig of, Newmark.
0: Who, yeah, yeah, and Craig, Craig Newmark, the very liberal, very progressive uh, uh, creator of Craigslist, which interestingly is credited by a lot of people who follow the finances of the news industry with tanking local newspapers.
1: Yeah, t- tanked local newspapers and sm— and used it. You know, well, he didn't use it, but a lot of people used it for incredibly illegal activity, including human smuggling. But now, I guess he's our—he's our moral compass. Um. So, so who's a, who's on this committee anyway? So it's a pretty wonderful group of people. We got we got Prince Harry, you know, a disgraced former royal, uh, Duke of so Sussex. This is,
0: this is where this is where I give my obligatory. Uh, Pitch for the Titles of Nobility Amendment from 1812, which would expatriate any American citizen who took a title of nobility.
1: <laughs> I think that's I think there's a good case to be made for it. Although I I really want one personally. I guess it, it turns out that the Prince Harry and his wife are are so stupid and so Americanized that they have they've they turned down for their 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 child. The Earl of Dunbarton. Oh yeah, I
0: I I I saw that. I ha- I have to credit them. They turned down, you know, if their if their son is an American they and they turned down a title of nobility them. for him, that's <laughs> that's very small R Republican of them. If somebody sort of. <laughs> tried
1: to make fun of me on the schoolyard because I was the Earl of Dumbarton, I would have my guards seize them immediately. <laughs> but I guess it doesn't quite work. Okay, okay. So, we
0: have, so we have so we have Prince Harry who has said some very unpleasant things about the First Amendment. Okay,
1: <laughs> the, their Marquis is Katie Couric, uh, who you. You know, probably a lot of people will remember her as as having been on television at some point, but really hasn't been since she was canceled in 2013. I guess she occasionally pops up. She wanted to host Jeopardy. Uh, She's since made a career of falsifying documentaries and unapologetically so that made gun owners look like they were stupid to such an embarrassing level that even the CNN and New York Times and The Washington Post cracked down and said this is completely insane. Uh, she's lashed out. She wanted to, sh- Bill Maher had her on, which is, you know, kind of, kind of disappointing. Bill Maher, every time he gets her excited, he lets you down again. Uh, <laughs> but she, she Yeah, I
0: mean, out I mean he's a, you know, I mean, he's a hard, he, he's a hard Democrat. I mean, he gives like a million dollars to the Democrat super PACs every election. It's just that sometimes it's just that he isn't like, like every now and then he has a brief, just wait a minute. I dissent from this one thing, even though I'm a Democrat in every other way.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. He, he just sends some things. I mean, he's he's. For ex- exactly. He, uh, he, he has occasionally has some good points, but for every, you know, every good point he
0: has. He's still uh, ultimately the guy who gives a million dollars to the Democratic super PAC every election.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's he's totally captive. He'll never go. He'll never go full red pill. And then you've got Catherine Murdoch, who, uh, you know, is really just famous for being married to the liberal Murdoch kid. And according well, we, to her- we had a
0: Yeah, I was going to say we had an interesting uh, run in with with her people over the last few weeks because. Uh, Obviously, you know, she's on this committee to supposedly combat disinformation, yet she's given money to Pacronym, which Mm -hmm. is part of this network with Tara, which was with Tara McGowan, the Democratic political consultant, uh, you know, the acronym advocacy group. The, yeah, you may remember. Before everything hit the fan with when we were talking about the Iowa caucuses and there was that app that crashed and it was their network that was, you know, implicated in creating it. Well, they have Courier Newsroom, which is this basically, you know, advocacy front pretending to be an independent news organization uh, to, to spread whatever the Democratic talking points are.
1: Yeah, and they—I mean—they got attacked. You—you you guys did some phenomenal research on them. They've also just been followed. Open Secrets did a really great report. Uh, the Daily Caller really dug in there, and I, I used all of these really great reports from just trying to pull together exactly and remember everything that Pacronym, acronym, and then Courier Newsroom, which was just a, f- a bunch of fake local news outlets, essentially.
0: Yeah, yeah it's a—it's a—it's fr- a—it's 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 window dressing for Democratic talking points that are pretending to be independent local news organizations that replaced the local news organizations that were killed by Craig Newmark taking away all the classified ad
1: revenue. <laughs> and it's, it's a sweet gig if you can get it, but it just it's not quite a resume point for being on a on, on the truth commission that decides what people are allowed to say. And if you dig into what she she thinks are the main problems, and same thing with Katie Couric, Katie Couric's main problem is disinformation. She calls it on abortion. Like she she thinks there was really vicious disinformation to show that Planned Parenthood executives discussing you know publicly on video how they they'll sell dismembered fetal uh, baby parts, and then and then and then you see over here on the other side disinformation that they say basically not buying into the whole global warming uh mm. scare tactics and not being able to voice scientific d- d- dissent and the global warming stuff what they want to do is exactly what they did during covid which is that one scientist can speak it's fauciism all the other scientists who bring up completely valid points about why we should doubt this right i mean are we're not got, I mean, allowed
0: to speak we're and, we're and we're and we're we're seeing it with the with the whole lab leak thing where you know the what is this Dasak Dazak, how do you say his name the Sky Eco Health Alliance mm-hmm. guy who was Dazak, yeah yeah who was who was he was he was running money from the US government to the Wuhan Institute
1: do i and, have this right I I believe so uh but i, I want to be careful on a fact check podcast yeah yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> um um but you know and then he was leading the letter to the lancet saying that the lab leak couldn't have possibly happened and lo and behold the lancet comes out you know either it was either this week or last week that uh, oh actually we ha- we had them all amend their disclosure their their disclosures of competing interests because lo and behold it they had competing interests that were not initially disclosed.
1: Yeah, the Lancet, uh, I'm not exactly sure why the Lancet needed an economist, but I guess they were going to try and deal with the economic uh, pain of this whole thing, which, by the way, we now have a report out from University of Southern California and Rand Corporation for the United States government that, that has, has looked at rather extensively. I don't generally trust things that comes from these places, but it doesn't it doesn't toe the line. and It's looked at rather extensively the effects of the lockdowns. On the United States and on the world, and has found that it actually exacerbates death to be in a state a state of lockdown for for a more severe time and for a longer time. Basically, everyone in America was locked down except for South Dakota for about a month. But yeah,
0: yeah, for for about a, it was the the shortest ones again, other than South Dakota, were probably about a month. Yeah,
1: and but I mean, in Ireland,
0: I was just oh, they're still in. They're still their indoor dining isn't open today.
1: Yeah, and, and there's no non-essential travel. The, the hotels just canceled on a friend of mine who was trying to go over there uh, with his fiance. All the hotels just canceled on him for the government. Um, another person who's another notable on this list is Rashad Robinson, who's you know famous for taking over the color of change mm-hmm. uh, being the president of that, which he, he, he which he, he did with Van Jones, the 9/11 truther and Green Czar. Who I guess you know he has some street credit with conservatives for for. Simply for not being stupid, and he's not stupid. Yeah, no, he's uh, a
0: he's he is an intelligent man. Mm-hmm.
1: He's an intelligent man. I, I don't agree with him on anything. I yeah, certainly they, don't. He's
0: he's he's, he's got, the color of change and, and, is and the he's a, and, and and Jones. I mean, Jones is a smart enough man to know when he can if he can get something working with Republicans and conservatives, he'll do it, which is what they did mm-hmm. with with uh, with First Step Act during the Trump administration.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he got all the libertarian billionaires and him got together and and let everyone out of prison. Uh, it was a big Trump initiative. The And Color of Change is an interesting organization because their whole thing is just shakedowns. They they put up fake news sites or they show you what they're going to do. They go to corporations and say, you know what, I, I saw you gave to ALEC or I saw you gave to this... And not even just like very conservative organizations sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes no, I mean, even even just... right. I mean, ALEC is just kind of a pro-business, yeah. you know, right of center, chamber of commerce group. And exactly. they would... And they were pushing, especially these Fortune 500 companies that might have, uh, uh, let's say, uh, executives who are sympathetic with the world capital movements to get them to to
1: bail on it. Exactly. And to do whatever they wanted to. So, I mean, he's he's really actually kind of perfect for the Aspen Institute's. Uh, commission on trying to control what's allowed to be said and where money's allowed to go. And you got Marlo Blow, which has got like just one of those great 2020, 2021 style titles, which is Senior Vice President of Social Impact uh, at the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth. <laughs> Mas- yeah, the Woke Capital Commissioner,
0: card. the Woke Capital Commissioner of the Woke Capital Commission at MasterCard. Well, there
1: you go. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't, isn't the word master kind of troubling anyways? We don't have to say that anymore. <laughs> My gosh. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, the And I guess it's being the senior vice president. I mean, maybe they just made that up. They probably did. They made up the rest of the title. But it, it makes me assume that there must be junior vice presidents for social impact at the MasterCard Center for inclusive growth. Uh, it's, it's wild how these corporatists have been able to just buy everything. Off and just be spared at the last moment. The and then I mean it's the I
0: mean it's the classic it's the classic eat me last strategy that if I hire enough of these not if I hire enough of these people, you know that that the Rashad Robinsons of the world will leave me alone.
1: Yeah, exactly. And ultimately,
0: ultimately they never do. Ultimately, you know, even if five people get eaten before you, you still get eaten. (laughs) <laughs> but,
1: there's, there's got to you know. be some way to do it, though, because, I mean, as Milton Friedman points out, there are still wealthy and successful, powerful people under Soviet systems. I mean, someone's going to succeed, but it's probably not, probably not. It's going to be the most vicious people, most likely not the uh, senior vice president of social impact at the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth. Uh, and then Craig Newmark bought his way onto of the commission, which you can, I mean, honestly, I'm fine with that. You could do that if you by commissions. Yeah,
0: that's how that's that's how (laughs) big that's how big philanthropy works.
1: (laughs) I mean, I might be quicker to rename a stadium after myself if I was so vain as to decide to control truth, uh, truth and media. But that's what they're doing. And then you've got Chris Krebs, uh, you know, who who claimed that who claimed that we had the most secure election in American history, despite not actually being in charge of fraud. Uh, that could have happened there. Really going above his pay grade was fired by Donald Trump. He's he's one of their Republicans. And uh, Alex Stamos, who's pretty much pretty perfect for this, because he's a former Facebook executive, who really doesn't like the. He, just, he knows that the problem with shutting down news networks like One American News Network or Newsmax is that they have freedom of speech. He said that, so he just wants cable providers to snip the cord so that they can't they can't even reach American homes. He'd be satisfied with not not making them stop speaking, but destroying their platform, which is a uh, which is actually not a very pro First Amendment Second Amendment. Thing to do, mm-hmm. First Amendment. Excuse me.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, the the it's the it's the whole de- the whole question of deplatforming, and we you know we we uh, we discussed the whole big tech thing on our la- on last week's episode. Uh, you know, kind of what how how we got here, and we kind of hit a wall on where to go. But we you know it's that sort of something has to be done. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, I, I mean, we could start with dismantling the big companies. I don't like them. The, uh, and, you know, I, I kind of wondered what they were doing at first. So when big tech really first rounded on Republicans because the bad orange man had won and decided that we're going to crack down, I know that some of it was just stupid because they'd they gone public, they'd been selling their stocks on Wall Street, and in order to do so at such inflated prices, they'd claimed that they had these brilliant, amazing super algorithms that, Knew what you were thinking before you were thinking it, but it, I don't think their algorithms are as smart as they say they are, because they can't tell the difference between conservative or Christian or Republican or Libertarian or or just simply doubting scientific uh, speech and hate speech. Mm-hmm. Is just one example. Some of the, some of it is they've gone in.
0: Well, the, I mean, hard. the question though isn't you know I mean, the algorithms might know, but the people who control the algorithms might not care. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And that's another thing. They always cite the algorithms as if algorithms build themselves as if this is, this is the second Terminator movie and like, we're just completely ruled by machines. But exactly. Humans wrote those algorithms.
0: Well, and they, and they, and they, whatever outputs they're spitting out, they spit out to people who then decide, are these the outcomes that we like? And if they don't, they change them.
1: <laughs> it's really like a Stan Marsh character in South Park, just worshiping at the altar. The algorithm told me to do this. And <laughs> that's completely ridiculous. You wrote that algorithm. Uh, but big tech then turned on on conservatives, and I mean it, it's gotten to a point. The Republicans were the last remaining defenders of big tech left in Washington because they got the big government left that just wants to control it. Are a very small group of libertarians who are dwindling each day. I mean, you got if you, once you have Senator Mike Lee, who's a complete and total small government constitutionalist. I wouldn't call him libertarian, but very small government constitutionalist. Turning into doing a one eighty on big tech because of because of what he saw with Parlor. I mean,
0: when you, have Ken, saw, when you have when you have Ken wild. when you have Ken Buck who ran in twenty ten unsuccessfully for Senate as a Tea Party candidate. You know, again, very small government constitutionalist guy, and he's beating the drum for antitrust. You done screwed up?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I was just wondering when they first did this who <coughs> who who are you relying on to be your friend after this because you <laughs> you do want friends, right? And you're attacking. One side hates you
0: and you yeah, one side one side, side, one side, one side hates you because you're rich. You're making the other side that doesn't immediately hate you because you're rich, hate you
1: because and because you're evil. So rich <laughs> like, and evil, you've got you, it's hard to find friends in D.C. I mean, you would do fine, I guess, maybe in, in Russia or the Kingdom of Sod. But it's a tougher sell in Washington where one side hates <laughs> evil and one side hates rich. And I, you know, I, I don't mean to come across as pro-Republican with that because, my gosh, they can, they can sure like some evil people over there.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Chris, is there anything else you'd like to promote or advocate uh, before we let you go?
1: No, you can just check out our work at thefederalist.com and you know Twitter, that awful, awful place. Go check it out there. But, hey, I appreciate all the research that you guys did and the help and, and having me on today uh, and all the good work you guys do.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you again for joining us, Chris. Uh, You can read his work at thefederalist.com. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.